Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. Avantcard offers loans from 5,000 to 75,000 euro, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined today by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It is great. How is everything with you? It's a beautiful day today in Pittsburgh at Steeler Minicamp. We had a good broadcast, watching practice. It was a blast. Good day. Can't complain. Yeah, that's that sounds great. I'm I'm jealous of you hanging around with Juju all day. That's your guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Matt, we've got an awesome guest today. Uh, we have our friend Adam Spinks back with us today. Adam, how many times have you been on now? This is Are, are we getting close to double digits? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think this is either three or four. I'm not sure. But yeah, I think the last time you told me that I was the first person to reach whatever the goal was. I think it was, or, or that, that threshold of three, I think. Yeah, so this might be yeah. four. Well, we, we are glad to have you back on. You are our, our go-to guy when it comes to running backs, as you should be, right? The RB Scout. You're you're the RB Scout on Twitter. You have the, the RB Scout website. Uh, things are, are going well, it seems. Yeah, I just can't wait to unleash Office of Guard Scout in the fall. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, or kicker, that will, scout. Yeah, those will be huge hits, I'm sure. <laughs> No, I'm really excited to be here. This is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to on a on a weekly basis. It's one of the ones that I still actually do listen to weekly. I, I've cut back a lot of my time on just anything outside of family a lot, but I do uh, I do listen to you guys weekly. So well, definitely you. appreciate you guys. Yeah, we we appreciate you, and we're definitely going to appreciate you today. No surprise, we are going to be talking running backs. We're going to be talking rookie running backs, uh, but not only those incoming rookies, but also, I guess, their new teammates, their new competition in the backfield, uh, how the arrival of some of these rookies are going to affect the veterans that they'll now be competing for touches with. And uh, like I said, there's, there's nobody better than you to talk about this. Uh, I think last year we – we went backfield by backfield talking about every single team in the NFL. We won't do that today, but we're going to, we're going to cover several of them and we will start with the Miami dolphins. They uh, of course spent their fourth rounder on uh, running back, Kalen Balage. And, and he's a guy that I, it's definitely fair to say some wide ranges of opinions on him. Uh, a lot of people, especially if you're a believer in, the metrics and, and and the numbers and all and the put a lot of stock into the scouting combine. You're probably a big fan of Kalen Balage. If you rely on watching tape like you do, Adam, and and looking at at that film, maybe not so much. Balage did not have the production that that you might hope for for an incoming 
running back. And of course, there in Miami, he'll compete against Kenyon Drake, who had a nice breakout season last year. And they also added the veteran Frank Gore. Um, so, so talk first about your thoughts on Kalen Bellage and, and just how he fits in this Miami backfield. Well, I, I'm definitely on the on the more film strategy for evaluation than taking the six tests you may do at a combine at two or three tries and making that the gospel. So uh, I, I think that you can see plenty on film, good and bad. And, you know, I, I don't want to dog the guy completely, but as far as a pure running back as a, as in a runner, I, I'm not a big fan. Now he can contribute in the passing game, certainly. And, and for his size, it's a little crazy how much talent he has physically in the receiving game for such a big player. I mean, he would be a giant receiver, let alone he's a giant running back. Uh, he would be teetering on, you know, not too far away from a small tight end. But yeah, he can definitely contribute to that portion of for Miami. But going back to Drake, you know, just I think we've listened to a little bit of coach speak lately, and we're kind of hearing this Bellage might compete with them. Uh, to me, Kenya Drake did everything that I could possibly ask someone to do to improve over what I had issues with coming out of college. And namely, that was tap dancing. I mean, he was a tap dancer at Alabama. He would never use his uh, vision correctly. It was always a tap, tap, tap. You know, I've always mentioned that he looked like he was part of Riverdance at, at Alabama. And then some type of switch flipped on. You know, the last five weeks, he led the league in rushing. It was 444 yards over the last five weeks. And it was a committed 444 yards, as in there was not a lot of hesitation. So that's exactly what he needed to do to improve as a player. He has plenty of physical skills. If you want to look at another physical freak, it's Kenyon Drake. He may not be the size of Balaj, but he has a lot of physical talent. So uh, they, need to, they need to get on board with actually rushing. That would be a positive for Miami, actually running the ball. But as far as who I think is the lead back, it's, it's Drake. You know, one thing that I did see was on Frank Gore, the amazing Frank Gore, is a, a little note that I found where, was who was the number two leading um, ball carry and rush attempts over the last five weeks? It was Frank Gore, and that just boggled my mind. And if, wow. It boggled my mind. They, they were still giving him the ball that much at that age. Uh, I don't expect that with Miami. I think that was more of a courtesy with Indianapolis to get him to some incentives and to get him to some thresholds for NFL history. But, yeah, I, I'm not – going to tell you that I'm, I'm fully on board. Kenyon Drake is an RB1 superstar, but in this backfield, he's the clear front runner for me. I think you're 100% right, and I thought he was awfully impressive at the end of last year without a lot of help around him. Um, they got Jay Ajayi out of his way and, and fed him over and over. Gore worries me a little bit for the short term, but I think it's more of Gore returning home to Miami to kind of like an old man going to his old retirement home, you know, <laughs> like a nice, comfortable place to uh, prepare for your life's work and move on. I was never a Bellage fan at all. However, this is very embarrassing for me to admit on the air. I wasn't a David Johnson fan coming into the league either. And I'm not saying by any means Bellage can be David Johnson. But in this league, if you're that size and he is fast and he's athletic, and he can catch the ball. I mean, he's such a, a, a valuable part of the, the passing game. I think he has more credit than I want to give him. I think he has more value than I want to give him. Yeah, you're right. And one thing to, to think about with Miami is there's 250 targets that are gone. And there's Jarvis Landry, yeah. Julius Thomas, and Jay Ajayi who were gone. That was 243 targets or 
42 targets that are off the team. So they're going to have to contribute in some sort of fashion to those targets. And it's going to have to come through the running backs because it's not going to go to all Danny Amendola and, you know, the rookie tight end. That, they're not going to get 250 targets between the two of them. So it's certainly Balaj can contribute in that fashion. I just don't know uh, if I think he's capable of taking actual meaningful carries from Drake or even Gore at this point. When I watched him in college, I thought maybe he should have been a defensive end. <laughs> That's how much I little how little I like him as a running back. But I agree. I mean, he's yeah. he's super talented as as just a specimen of a person. I mean, he has all the God given ability you could possibly want. I just never see him commit to that ability and you know the size and the power and the speed. It seems like he always wants to hesitate. He has a lot of the same issues that Drake had coming out of college. He he likes to tap dance. He won't commit to a hole. And whenever you're that big and that strong and that fast. If you're not going to commit and go, then you've completely defeated all of your physical traits that you have over somebody. Yeah. He runs like a small dude. Yes. I think that's a good point, Adam. And I didn't realize it until you were you were talking about this backfield. But Balaj does kind of remind me of Drake coming out of school. They look like they should be a good solid lead back every down back, but in their college years, they didn't they they didn't really show they could do that. So maybe Drake's improvement does give us some hope for Kalen Balaj. And on Frank Gore, honestly, at this point, I'm I don't think he's a lock to make the team. I, I don't. Me too. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it just depends on. He doesn't help on special teams. Yeah, a lot probably depends on how far they think Balaj is coming around in the run game. Because, like you just mentioned, if if they're truly going to think that Frank Gore is going to be the third running back on this team. And he, like you said, he will not contribute on special teams. So that's a difficult sell, especially I, I'm sure he's at a, I don't, I don't remember his contract, but I'm sure it's at a cheaper rate, but mm -hmm. it's still going to be a lot higher than what Balazs will be from a, or even Drake because they're on rookie contracts and he's going to be on a, at least on a vet minimum, which is going to be more than them. Right. And, and then on those targets, don't, don't forget about Albert Wilson. This might be his year. <laughs> Someone has to catch the ball. That's right. All right, let's move to another uh, AFC East backfield, the New England Patriots. Uh, they spent a much more valuable pick on their rookie running back, of course, drafting Sony Michelle late in round one. They add him to Rex Burkhead, James White, Mike Gillisley, and others there in their backfield. I mean, we know the story here that the Patriots and Bill Belichick are pretty well known at this point, I think, for that committee committee usage in the backfield at the same time once once they have committed to a running back the past couple of years two years ago LeGarrette Blunt last year Deion Lewis once he was fully healthy those guys had big time success and put up big time fantasy numbers uh and it, it seems like Michelle is again a player that has has some really really varied opinions on him uh some people I think with that landing spot and that draft capital felt like that was a plus and he should be gaining some value. And, and I know of others who moved him down the ranks once he landed in new England, where do you stand on Sony Michelle, Adam? Well, I think you're, you're right on. So one of my main notes that I usually talk about when I go on a podcast is about the Patriots running backs. And that's that maybe the misconception that, that it's committee. Uh, I, I do not feel that way. I, and it's not Bill Belichick that we really need to be looking at. I've always said, you got to look at Josh McDaniel's offense and to me, like you said, when he commits to a back, he commits to him in a decent way than you're probably not expecting. Now, sure, they use situational packages, but you know, in my league, in a half PPR, Deion Lewis was RB9. And if you look at it from when he really got the lion's share of the carries, which was week six on, 
he was RB five in my league. And you know, if you really want to look at touches, what are you going to look for a lead back from week six on? He had the tenth most touches in the entire league. So I, he was a full blown bona fide stud to me. So that that's gone, and someone's going to need to pick up the the slack. Now, as far as Michelle, I'm a big fan of Sonny Michelle. I think that he can do everything Dion Lewis could do, uh, and probably more in the receiving game than what Lewis was able to contribute as a Patriot. Lewis would make a couple of flash plays in the receiving game, but they never they didn't really do much with him other than the the typical flare out of a shotgun. He wasn't running primary routes, and he wasn't really used. Um, as a slot option, like they've used Burkhead before. And I think that Michelle has that opportunity and that skill set to be able to do that. So uh, moving forward for this year, you know, one of the thing to think about with the Patriots, I, I got quite a bit on notes on them, is that I think that they're the quietest positive overhaul of a position group this entire offseason, and that's their line. I know we start off with Nate Solder leaving and everybody was freaking out. Okay, the Patriots, uh, they're going to be in bad shape with their line. But they have four tackles at this point between Isaiah Wynn, Marcus Cannon, Trent Brown, and Adrian Waddle that are all capable of being starters in the league, and three of them have position flexibility to guard. I think that with Skarnecki coming back, their line will continue to improve, and I think they honestly have probably the most underrated office line in the league in Shaq Mason, and I think that they're going to be able to run the ball. They always can, and if it's going to be Michelle, then he's going to have uh, a season – like Lewis had. Now, one thing to think is that they didn't go after anybody in free agency. Jeremy Hill's not anybody in free agency. So, <laughs> you know, that, that at that point, we thought it was going to be Burkhead, but then to invest, like you mentioned, and to invest actual high pick into someone like that when they had definitive needs outside of running back, as in like an edge rusher or a corner, or some would say a quarterback, to make that determination that Michelle was worth that pick says a lot to me about where they were on evaluation between Nick Serio and, and Bill Belichick. So I think that you have to throw a lot of weight on that alone, even if you were not having a high evaluation on Michelle like I, like I have. And I think, like Matt has said in the past, he has them really high as well. So, um, yeah, I, I fully expect Michelle to be a significant fantasy starter this year. Yeah, as everyone knows that listen to the show, I've been raving about him forever. I have him really high. I'm glad you brought up their offensive line, though, because I think it's going to be one of the best offensive lines in the league now. You know, I mean, it's versatile. There's a lot of different body types. They're really well coached, of course. I don't think that's going to be a weakness at all, especially in the run game. Um, and the other note I wanted to make, too, is kind of like we talked about with Frank Gore, is Jeremy Hill and or Gillisley even a lock to make the team? I mean, those guys might not even make the team. And if so, I mean, my only worry, my one side note I want to make up, Michelle, is maybe he's not the number one receiving back and maybe he's not the goal line back, but the pie is so big in the in the Patriot backfield, I still think he's going to feast. Yeah, you know, just a couple of notes on that. So Gilsey, I would say, was probably my biggest miss, but through two weeks of the season last year, he looked like he was on fire. I mean, he was going to be, like you said, touchdown machine. Uh, they could constantly score touchdowns. They had they had 27 touchdowns within the five-yard line last year. So that was by far the most in the league. But, you know, one thing on Gilsey that you're not going to see an issue with with Michelle is whenever I was watching Gilsey's tape, it was the first two weeks, you know, you're great. Okay, scoring three touchdowns, scoring two touchdowns. Everything looks great. But then you would watch the film, and I had this this thought in my head of why do they continue to put him in eye or single back and run heavy and the only plays they call with him in the game are a run and a weak play action pass 
He never ran a route. He never did anything in shotgun. He never was in up-tempo. So it was one of those things. It's like you would see that for the first two weeks, and you're thinking, Josh McDaniels is going to want to play multiple, and he can't play it with this particular player. So if you Mm -hmm. can't play multiple in New England's offense, you're not going to see the field. They did it with Blunt because that team was so good that they were going to be leading games late in games, and they needed to run the clock out. That didn't happen last year. They were winning, but there wasn't these opportunities where they were up by 25 and needed to run the clock out. That didn't happen a lot last year. So someone like Michelle and why they kept Burkhead, they're they're just so multiple that they can do everything they're going to want to do. Up-tempo, shotgun, play the slot. They can play everything that Josh McDaniels is going to want them to do. Adam, a couple more questions about the Patriots backfield. First, the other narrative along with the committee uh, attack there that we always hear is if you have trouble fumbling, you're not going to see the field. And that's, that is an issue that Michelle had in college. So is that narrative true with the Patriots based on what you've seen? And in general, a player who has uh, fumbling issues in college, how, how often do we see the, uh, see those guys really improve that once they get into the league? So on the first note, the, the last running back that I can remember them taking high was Lawrence Maroney who had fumbling issues. And I remember him still taking a big role in the 2007 season when they went undefeated. Well, almost undefeated. Uh, he was a significant player for that team, and he still had fumbling issues. So, yeah, I think any coach doesn't like turnovers. I don't think that's breaking any news. But uh, I would say as far as turnovers and fumbling, a lot of fumbles are, if you really look at it, get down to the brass tacks of it, a lot of them are luck. It's that there's a defender in the correct, well, in this random correct position that just happened to put his arm out and punch the ball away. A lot of times they're not actually going for a strip. They're just looking for some type of tackle and the ball just miraculously falls out. So uh, I think that he's capable, anybody's capable of learning A, to switch hands. I don't think he's one of the people that does not switch hands when he runs. There, there's been a few of those. So as long as you're doing that and you holding it tight on the on the nose, or I don't think there's going to be an issue for going forward. I mean, that, like I said, I think a lot of it just boils down to right place, right time on fumbles. I've actually been around a coach who was not a believer in switching hands, especially at the college level, because there's a chance you drop it while you switch it. I've heard that. Uh, yeah. You know, probably the most people would say the greatest running back of all time. Emmett, he never changed hands. Right, right. He ran left hand, I think, the whole time. And then, Adam, one one more thing. With Burkhead and James White, you mentioned those guys a little bit. Just as far as their fantasy outlook for this season and and really beyond, what do you see with those guys? Are are they still worth roster spot? Can we expect to use them as, as flex starters? What are you thinking on those two? Oh, Burkhead's definitely worth a, a roster spot. He was – serviceable even whenever Deion Lewis was starting to get all the all the carries and all the touches he would still come in and he scored all these touchdowns at the end of the season so he's shown that he's capable of being a a good player so yeah absolutely on on Burkhead James White's going to be James White you're going to get these games where he's going to catch nine balls for 48 yards and uh, I'm willing to bet if the Patriots are behind which is rare that James White is going to be the guy if they're down by two scores it'll be James White in the game playing running back next to Brady and shotgun just because of how familiar he is with the offense and how much Brady trusts him, especially early in the season over a rookie for sure, because they believe in James White as a receiver. They believe in James White as a blocker and they believe that he'll be in the spot where he needs to be. Now, talent wise, he's not even close. I mean, he, he is a, uh, a touch and fall player. So uh, where the other two can actually do something after the catch. 
Ryan, I got a quick question for you in this backfield. In a league I was in, Rex Burkhead went straight up for 2.08. And originally I looked at it and I was like, boy, I, I want 2.08 in that deal. But the owner that made the deal, I'm like, he's a pretty smart guy. And the more I thought about it, Burkhead, do you think he's worth around that range? I don't really think so. I mean, you know, you might be, you might, you're getting a quarterback at that point. You might get your guy, Lamar Jackson. You're getting maybe, um, Zachy. That's, that's, that's probably a little, yeah, yeah. that might be pie in the sky there. But I think I'd just rather take a shot on the rookie at that point. That being said, I, I think you can get, in general, I think you can get Burkhead for much cheaper. Uh, I've even seen him dropped since the NFL draft. Um, I've seen him hit the waiver wire in a couple of leagues, which I think is, uh, like Adam said, I think that's a poor decision, uh, certainly worth the roster spot, and, and maybe even will end up uh, worthy of a flex starter spot. Let's move to suddenly one of the most crowded backfields in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they retain Duke Johnson, who, uh, of course, is going to be their PPR back, we can assume, I think. They signed Carlos Hyde from the 49ers. They draft Nick Chubb in round two. This was a frustrating landing spot for me, Adam, because um, I, I love Nick Chubb. I was hoping for uh, a little bit of a better situation uh, just as far as competition in year one, um, although in general, I'm not really scared of Hyde. I think Chubb is the most talented player in the backfield. Uh, you know, you can't deny that he's certainly not going to see a ton of targets with Duke there, and and, and we'll see what happens with Hyde. And, and we're def- definitely want to hear your opinion on that. But but then also, it just didn't make sense for the Browns. We know they had all those picks. We know the moves they've made this offseason in in trades and in free agency. And this just felt like, I don't know, This it seems like they kind of outsmarted themselves with this draft pick where they could have used it for some of their other needs on, on defense um, or, or, or any other position really other than running back. So thoughts on Chubb, Hyde, and Duke Johnson. So thoughts on Chubb for long-term are, are extremely positive. I think he's a terrific player. And he looked like he was – you know, 98% back to what I really was hoping that he would be after the injury. So uh, he struggled there for a while, but yeah, he came on great, but I'm 100% with you on, on the landing spot for current situation. He actually went one, four in my home league. That's a really competitive league. That's a super flex. And, uh, and then I had another buddy that was on the clock at, I think one, three, and he was wanting to take him, And he asked me this and I'll play the game with you and the listeners. And we can run through this because uh, this is something I've been thinking about with Cleveland just in general. So it's a crazy stat on Cleveland. Of course they were rowing 16. They had 41 turnovers last year, which was seven more than anybody else. And I thought to myself, well, how in the world did they run for 1700 yards last year? Cause that's not bad. You know, just in the, in the grand scheme of things, 1700 yards sounds pretty good. And then I dug a little deeper and you find out that Deshaun Kaiser was responsible for over 400 of those yards. So now you're down to 1300. You haven't done just a heck of a lot outside Jarvis Landry, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but you come in, and now you have Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. And if you look at Tyrod Taylor over the course of his last three seasons, he averages 500 yards rushing. So he's going to eat a lot of the pie. And then you're going to expect that Jarvis Landry is going to get fed. Why wouldn't they? They brought him in there for a reason, and he's going to run short routes, and he's going to be basically an extended running back. And then you're going to expect that Duke Johnson is going to play on third down. And then you're still going to expect the guy that, is making $5 million a year this year in Carlos Hyde that they like and is a good player. 
that I, at the very minimum, I think that he gets a hundred carries, very minimum, hundred carries. So now you've got all this scenario lined out. How much does that leave for Chubb? And the answer is not very much. So I think that these people that are expecting him to help this year are going to be disappointed. He's a terrific prospect, but as far as this season, all those scenarios line up, and I think they're all realistic scenarios. Uh, you have a problem on your hands as far as how the numbers just add up. They don't. They don't get there. It's a great point. My only way, I, the only thing I'd play devil's advocate on is, by no means can they be so bad in the turnover department again. And, and I also think they'll be in games more in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you said Kaiser had about 400 of those yards. I think he he, he maybe had about 400 of the turnovers as well. <laughs> it seemed like so. Right. Yeah, uh, that that will certainly be better. We would think, but. Yeah, the, the rest of the picture you paint there is is not a pretty one for Duke. Uh, I'm sorry, for uh, Nick Chubb in, in 2017. That just tells me, 2018, I should say, that just tells me he's going to be a guy uh, maybe midseason that we try to trade for because the talent is certainly there. With Hyde, do you expect him to, to be gone in uh, following the 2018 season? Well, I think his deal is just about five million per year for the next three years, which is pretty good money in terms of veteran contracts right now. Um, I don't know. It just, I guess it just depends on how he plays. I, I honestly think that Carlos Hyde is a pretty good running back. I, do too. Uh, I think he's a, a really good committee back. So, you know, maybe if he plays well and, and I think we all just get this rookie fever and think that whoever the rookie is, is better than whoever they have. But I, I'm not sure that's actually the case right now. I mean, I think Carlos Hyde has proven that he can play in this league and and do a good job, and Chubb hasn't. Chubb's only shown that he played good in SEC. So he's going to have to come in and, and compete with a better than most uh, committee back than other people are going to have to compete with, and that's going to be difficult. It also wouldn't blow me away if all three of those guys aren't there on opening day. I mean, namely Hyde. Like if a back or two goes down around the league, maybe someone calls the Browns. I mean, yeah. Chubb's not going anywhere, but. Yeah, maybe, you know, one thing to think about going back to the Tyrod Taylor thing is I think as far as coach speak, it sounds like that's going to be their plan is to go with Taylor for basically the vast majority of the season. So anytime you have a running quarterback like that, that takes up that much yardage, it can lend itself to one extra player being a running back that's worth something like McCoy was, but it will not allow a committee to be uh, productive. Just you cannot take 500 yards out of the rushing calculation for running backs and think that there's room for two. There will never be room for two. Mm, good stuff. Do you think we have heard, um, I don't want to say trade rumors with Carlos Hyde, but but it, at the very least trade speculation with Hyde. But Duke is the guy whose contract is expiring at the end of the season. He's the one who most people are already looking for a new team in 2019. So let's say it it was Duke Johnson they trade sometime in the next uh, three months. Is either Chubb or Hyde a good enough uh, pass catcher to kind of take over that role or at least parts of that role? Uh, I don't think so because I think the person that's going to take over the – role for Duke Johnson, even with Duke Johnson on the team, is Jarvis Landry. Yeah. I think that is Duke Johnson's catches. I think Duke Johnson's in line for a significant drop in targets and touches, and that's because of Jarvis Landry. Okay. He was really their slot guy last Yeah, year. I mean, a lot of times they would – yeah, Duke didn't even play the backfield. He played in the, in the outside slot or even lined up wide, and now they'll just use Jarvis Landry in that role. 
Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think this is a team that dynasty owners are really scratching their heads on, on what to do with as far as these running backs. Uh, they've got Marlon Mack uh, coming back off of a pretty successful rookie year, kind of frustrating rookie year, though, uh, considering he played well but didn't maybe didn't get the touches that at least fantasy players maybe thought he should get. They use uh, a couple of day three picks on the running back position. Round four, they draft Naheem Hines out of NC State. Uh, pass catching back mainly, uh, drawing some comparisons to Tariq Cohen, among others. And then they get the big SEC kid, Jordan Wilkins, one round later in the fifth round. I know Wilkins has uh, become a, a favorite of Mike Clay, who we've had on the show, a favorite of Evan Silva, who obviously uh, has a lot of pull in this in this game of ours, do you like Wilkins as much as those guys do? And, and in general with this, is this just going to be a three headed backfield? Uh, I, no, I, I'll tell you my thoughts. So I'm definitely with you. I think Mac is probably the most polarizing player that we're going to have all off season. As far as people think he's good and people are going to tell you that he's terrible. I mean, just look at the stats. 12% of his carries went for 10 or more yards. And then 33% of his carries were stopped at or, behind the line of scrimmage. So you have a little bit of, of both. But one thing I, I was mentioning, and I, I posted this on Twitter during the draft, was that they had five opportunities in the first 64 picks to take a back. And there were a lot of good backs, and they did not take one. So that that in itself, outside of Coach Pika, what they might be seeing now, tells me something about what they felt their current backfield was. And unless you're going to buy into the Robert Turbin novel, which I'm not, I think it means something for Mac. Now, the flip side is you're going to tell me that they're going to, they drafted a running back in round four and round five. And I would say absolutely. And that's because you can't commit to someone like Marlon Mack completely because he has deficiencies and his deficiencies are in the receiving game and, and a serious deficiency in the pass blocking. So uh, you need someone like Hines who is a good pass catcher. I don't think he's a, an elite level pass catcher like Cohen or uh, Duke Johnson or Chris Thompson, like some people have, of comp them to. I think he's a, he's a good receiver, but I do see some some catches that he should make that he drops. But he, regardless, he's a lot better receiver than Mac is. And then if you go to Wilkins, Wilkins to me is way too much of a glider. And if I used a definition from a different sport, if we're looking at if he was a boxer, all he would have is a jab. It's just jab, 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 jab. There's no power punches whatsoever. So I don't see anything in his skill set that just flashes um you know high potential for a running back i think he's just a just the guy but what i will say is whoever wins this spot has something that no one in the league has and it's something i've been talking about on on draft to people before and that's quentin nelson so i <laughs> do not underestimate how good he is i thought he was by far the best player in this draft and that includes saquon barkley uh, on film he is the destruction of, of men on, on film. So between him and, and an approved line, I think that they're going to be a lot better at running the ball and hopefully they'll commit to it. And hopefully luck is back. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but they can make space now with Quentin Nelson, which was something that I did not think that Mac and Gore got a lot of. I think if you look at the carries that are, are at our line at the line or behind the line of scrimmage, most of that to me when I look at film is not the running back's fault. If you get stopped at that point, it's the line's fault. It's because uh, there was nothing to run to. It's not usually because they're missing the gap. You'd be surprised how 
few gaps are actually missed by NFL running backs. It's it's a lot lower than what most people would think. What I like about Hines is I think the Colts are going to be really bad this year, and, and they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I could see him with a lot of garbage time receiving production. I also don't think the Colts receivers outside of Hilton are much to speak of. Mm-hmm. So maybe he becomes their Duke Johnson and their slot receiver. Um, we, I actually sat down with Jalen Samuels today at right after Steeler practice, and I brought up Hines, and he was talking about how they use the two of them in conjunction a lot. Wouldn't shock me if Hines is on the field in Indianapolis with Wilkins or Mac. Um, but all good points by you, of course. I mean, uh, speaking of Jalen Samuels, uh, just for teammates, I, I, despite the fact that he didn't even play the position, really, I, I think he's a better player than Hines is as a running back. If that's where as they a choose ball to carrier. Up. Absolutely. I I do like Jalen Samuels quite a bit. Yeah, he's been impressive. So there in Indianapolis, Adam, it sounds like it sounds like you're a Mac believer. In Dynasty, would you be would you be buying him at maybe a a late first round rookie pick valuation? Not that high. I'm a believer between these three backs. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of their success is tied to luck, uh, obviously. But yeah, I don't I don't see a long term viable option between any of these. I, I think they'll be addressing the running back situation next year. Yeah, their number one back I don't think is on the roster. They're just totally rebuilding and had a million needs and we'll deal with it next year. Yeah, if if Mac was anywhere in the first round, uh, I think you're you're overpaying. I think you're talking second round. Okay. Let's look next at the uh, Denver Broncos, another AFC team. Um, they, of course, uh, lost C.J. Anderson, let him go, and they retained Devontae Booker, who's had ups and downs, mostly downs in his short career. They draft Royce Freeman in round three. This is a guy I wasn't really a fan of throughout this pre-draft process, but you have to love the landing spot. That's that's kind of what I've been weighing with Freeman and a few of these other rookie running backs is primo landing spot versus maybe just a questionable talent. What do you think about Freeman? Although so, they should have taken Quentin Nelson, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Now you're talking. I'd agree. Yeah. I'd agree. <laughs> so uh, he's the first of a few people we're going to talk about quickly that are going to have the same issue. And it's on film. Do you believe in the 2017 film or the 2016 film? So 2017, it seems like he was banged up. Every report that I've ever read was he was banged up all year. Uh, their offense was sputtering all year and he did not look good this year. But if you go back to his, previous freshman software year tapes he looks great um he's got plus speed plus power plus vision good receiving ability on 15 16 tape so in 17 it definitely looked like there was a hitch in his step so uh you know where does that leave you i I don't really know I, i but i will say this even the the lesser version the 17 version is better than everything else on the roster so he's capable of of doing anything that Devontae Booker can do, including the receiving at the same level and be more efficient in the run game. I think it's noteworthy that Greg Cosell said when he watched Freeman that, boy, all the touches he has, I think Greg said something along the lines of, he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. Maybe he's already declining. You know, that was his fear with the guy. Like, I, I can buy into that. Yeah, I think he has a thousand plus touches. That's a whole lot. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point I got to is even though on face value, I don't love the player, you have to love the situation, at least in the short term. And, and this would be a guy I would be 
I would be rostering with a, a plan of selling mid season or early next off season. Uh, but yeah, Devonte Devonte Booker certainly does not scare me. Ryan, you just mentioned face value. You know where that takes me? Bet you have a hunch. I mean, you talk about valuing your face. Your face is pretty important. You better sign up for harrys.com. I've been telling you guys about this every week, time and time again. They hooked me way back when with another podcast, and now I use their blades every, every day. Face value is important. Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors is not an easy decision. So they've created a trial offer for our listeners. Claim your offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. So they just break down. They just know that a great shave is comes down to great blades with a sharp, durable steel that lasts. That's why they bought the factory and they've been making some of the quiet, the highest quality blades in the world now for over 95 years. And by selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. It's just two bucks a blade as opposed to four or five. Quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. So here's what you get. It's a $13 value trial set that comes with a weighted handle that's wonderful, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover. So all of our listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know that we helped, you know, we sent you there to support the show. I also got a tweet today, Ryan, true story from somebody that switched to Harry's, showed me a picture of their new blades and how happy they are about it. Awesome. That is good to hear. Yeah. Adam, next up is, uh, is the star of the show here. Saquon Barkley drafted in round one by the New York Giants. Uh, I'm not sure we have to spend much time on Barkley. Of course, his competition there is Wayne Gallman, who had, I think, a solid rookie season, maybe a, uh, even a little bit underrated. And then Jonathan Stewart, they brought him over from the Carolina Panthers. Pre-draft, I really, I was really actually kind of on Jonathan Stewart as as a guy to buy cheap, um, even, even with his change um, – from the Panthers, he didn't. His value didn't seem to be affected at all. He was still virtually free, and and now he's definitely free with Barkley landing there. Is there going to be any room for either of these guys, Stewart or Gallman, to to produce at all? Oh, I would fully expect that the Giants commit, um, like Dallas did, to to, to Zeke Elliott. They're going to commit to Barkley and try to use up whatever he has over the first four or five years of his career. Now, one thing on Bell like work absolutely, yeah. yeah. Why not? Uh, but one thing I, on on Barkley, without getting into any actual evaluation, because everybody's gone that path. But just on the ADP, because that's what you guys were mentioning last week. I guess you moved him up to two. Is that what I remember hearing? In that I'm, neighborhood, yeah. He's he's my running back too in my rankings. I also have have been mentioning on Twitter lately that we've got some new June ADP through DLF, and he has cracked the top five overall. That and that's certainly got a lot of feedback. People had uh, some doubts about that. Just you know that he hasn't taken a snap yet, and uh, how do you take him over David Johnson? Things like that, and 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 some of those concerns I, I certainly understand. 
Was he but, was he RB two in June? Um, I will check for you actually. And while you're doing that, so I'll just give you a brief overview of where I I stand on the top five since I'll talk a yeah. little bit outside of rookies. Uh, my number one has not changed for two years now, and that's David Johnson. The the age does not concern me. Uh, I do not play running back valuation for six years. I am perfectly fine winning three straight championships with whatever David Johnson gives me over the next three years and being very happy about it. Uh, I think he is by far the best running back in the league. Uh, he does so much in the receiving game that no one else can do. He is, to me, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a different Washington in a minute, and we're going to talk about Chris Thompson, who's a fantastic third down receiver. Uh, David Johnson is a better third down back than any other running back in the entire league. I would take him on third down as a receiver over any running back in the league. That's how good he is. So I think we've lost a little sight on David Johnson just because of the age. And, you know, of course, it's everybody's got to be 22 years old. Um, he didn't have anywhere last year. He's not like an injury that you have to come back from. No, it's not an Achilles. Yeah, right. There's not an, a leg problem. And then my number two running back is, you know, I, I hear, I don't, this is going to sound like I hate uh, Saquon Barkley, which, I do not, so don't kill my Twitter notifications. I love Saquon Barkley. He is by far my rookie RB1. But we've I've heard this narrative that he's the best running back prospect in the last 25 years, and I think, uh, man, I, I guess if you look in past a lot of good running backs, because Todd Gurley, to me, was ever bit the prospect he was. He just got hurt, and Todd Gurley is my RB2. Um, to me, he's everything that you hope and pray Saquon Barkley becomes, and he's what a year older, maybe two years older. So everything hits right. And he turns into Todd Gurley, what Todd Gurley is now in this offense. And then third is Zeke Elliott. So I'm not a big person that, that diminishes people off of, uh, you know, off field. I just don't, uh, I evaluate the actual on field talent. I don't evaluate people. So, uh, I have Zeke Elliott as my number three. He runs behind a fantastic line. They're fully committed to him. He's a year older. And then my number four, is probably the one that people are going to not like, and that's Alvin Kamara. He's in a far superior offense. His efficiency numbers are probably going to drop, but his volume is going to go up. And to me, he is the one player outside of David Johnson and maybe Christian McCaffrey, if you think he can start actually running the ball, that has the rare potential of having a 1,000-1,000 season. I don't think Barkley is that type of receiver. He's good, don't get me wrong, but he is not on the level where they're going to have – a guy that can get 90 plus catches on a team and Kamara can do that. So I, and then I have Barkley at five, but I'm not going to argue with anybody that wants to change that. I just, I think we need to just think that, you know, the guy hasn't played a snap. You haven't seen one bit of action from him in the NFL. Uh, he does have warts, you know, just like everybody else does. So we've, we've built him up into this, this God. And I don't think we're going to actually see that. So he's not going to come out and run for six yards of carry and, and have 3000 yards this season. All right, Adam, I checked the ADP. Uh, Todd Gurley is our running back one. Okay. Zeke Elliott is running back two. Barkley is three. DJ is four, just right behind him. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is actually running back five. And then Alvin Kamara at running back six. I, I do agree with you as far as Kamara over Bell and uh, in general, just having Kamara over all of his classmates from last year's rookie class. He, he would definitely be my RB1. Um, from that 2017 class after what we've seen this past year. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on to Washington. You mentioned these guys, Chris Thompson, uh, the, the third down guy there, or I don't even know if we should call him a third down player, but 
the pass catching running back, certainly. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with him. He certainly struggled as a rookie last year. And then they draft Darius Geis in round two. And Geis has been a hot topic, Adam, in dynasty circles uh, because most people, or, or at least a large number of people, did rank him as the RB2 pre-draft. But we know that he slid. He was, I think, the seventh running back drafted he he still went in the, in the second round but many of these other players that we uh, expected to go later leapfrogged him and whether it was an off-field thing or a commitment to football or he likes video games too much i don't i don't know we've heard lots of <laughs> we've heard lots of crazy stories as far as why he actually fell but i think he landed in a great spot the only knock or the only concern I really have is that whether it's because he can't do it or whether it's because Chris Thompson is there, he's not going to get many, many chances to catch the ball. So yeah. How, what are your thoughts on Darius guys in general and where are you valuing him in comparison to these other rookies? So pre-draft you as Mar before, um, you know, we'll get to the people I had above him or at least one of them here in a minute. Uh, which probably comes as a surprise, but I like guys. I think he's in the, uh, I have three tiers at the top. So there's Barkley, then there's um, Sonny Michelle, and we'll just break the news. Ronald Jones has been my RB2 forever. And then the, there's a gap and that's the guys and Penny uh, or Ann Chubb. Uh, so uh, yeah, I definitely like guys. He's a lot of the similar problems that you have. And the reason why I think he fell as Freeman his 17 tape was not as good as his 16 tape, and that was because he was injured. Um, he has a lot of the same issues that Leonard Fournette had where he was hurt for most of the year. LSU didn't play that well. He looked not as explosive, but then you have to take into consideration that he was hurt. So you go back and look at his 2016 film, and it looked really good. Uh, and that's what I always say about Darius Geis. It always looks really good. I don't ever come away thinking he is fantastic. And there's nothing wrong with really good. Really good can be a starter in this league for a long time. Uh, I just don't see a, a an elite trait that he has that makes me think that he is going to ever be a, a top five running back. You know, but and that doesn't even take into consideration his landing spot, which is good. But like you mentioned, Chris Thompson, and I mentioned too, I believe is the best slotted third down running back, you know, like I mentioned with David Johnson, just a better pass catcher, but uh, what we call a, a third down running back, but really Chris Thompson is just the receiving back. So anytime they're in a situation where they feel like they need a pass or they're behind, you can fully expect Chris Thompson to be in the game and not Darius guys, because uh, there is zero reason to take someone like that off of the field. So that will limit his upside. I, I know people are probably higher than I am on guys and that's fine. Uh, I just, like I mentioned, I, I don't see an elite trait. I see really good everywhere. Quick question for you, Adam. I heard you mention Ronald Jones, and I know you've been mm -hmm. high on him for a while. And I'm sitting here looking at my running back ranks, and I have him right next to Kenyon Drake. Who do you prefer? Okay. Oh, Jones. Really? We can, okay. Bye. When we Bye. get to Tim, we can okay. talk about uh, how, high I, how high I might be on him. I'm sure it'll become as a surprise. But <laughs> I've been on Jones for a good while. But, but yeah. That's where I'm at on guys. I, I like him. He's a good player. Well, let's let's not waste any more time then. Let's go right to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They did draft Ronald Jones. I think it's the best landing spot of any of these rookies. Uh, he does have Peyton Barber to contend with, which most most would just scoff at that. I, I was pretty impressed with Barber actually last year, but um, if Jones is as good as advertised 
and as good as as the Tampa Bay Bucks obviously think he is, then Barber should not be much competition and and Jones could potentially be a three down back. We did hear a lot of concerns uh, about Jones pre-draft as far as does he have does he have the breakaway speed? He's supposed to be this this playmaker, but he doesn't didn't necessarily uh, show off the skills to <laughs> that would translate to that. It almost felt like, and in in fact, I think I said on one point uh, on a podcast at one point, it doesn't feel like he will really have a role in the NFL because he, I'm not sure he can be an, uh, a lead back and I'm not sure he can be uh, a third down type back. And now he's, he's certainly going to get the opportunity, no matter what I think. Tell us what you like about Ronald Jones. Well, just the fact that you say that makes me love fantasy football because this would be the greatest and easiest trade of all time. Because if you <laughs> drafted him, then I would trade for him and it would be done in an instant. Uh, I'll, I'll, let me give you my hot topics on him. So uh, this is where you have to be very careful with the metrics community that do not pay attention, which is fine. I understand not everybody's going to nerd out on this, but he ran a four, six, he ran a four, six with a pulled hamstring. So then he goes to his pro day, which is less than a month away. And he runs a four, four, eight on a pulled hamstring. So to me, uh, I never see him get caught ever. I see him pulling away from everybody. Uh, you know, he's a local kid for me. He's down the street and, you know, he was a pretty big deal coming out. And, you know, if you go look at his track numbers, they're, they're not elite. I mean, it's not like an Olympic sprinter, but he has plenty of speed that he showed as a, as a kid that will lead you to believe that he's going to be faster than most. And I'll say he's this. A track. He's a legit track guy. A, yes, he is a legit track guy. Uh, and I'll say this. And like I said, don't, don't kill my Twitter. Uh, I, I think, and listen to what I'm about to say, that I think Ronald Jones is the best runner in the draft. Now, the key word is the runner. I think Barkley is clearly the best overall running back. But running the football, 2017 Ronald Jones, let me mention that, 2017 Ronald Jones is the best running back that I saw run the ball. Now, there's a big difference between 2017 and 2016 Ronald Jones, and that's that he gained, you know, per his own mouth, over 10 pounds of weight. And so he, he gained 10 pounds of muscle or fat, eating Whataburgers, whatever he said he ate. But it, I, to me, he looked bigger on film in 2017. He was able to break more tackles in 2017 through power and not just do it through agility and speed. Um, <clears throat> I've heard some people say he doesn't have good vision. I would completely disagree. I think he he sees a hole and he goes. I think if we're picking out a couple plays, I can do that with anybody, including Saquon Barkley, and I could put a highlight tape together that would make him look terrible as well. Uh, I, I know a lot of people said before the draft that they thought Jamal Charles was a comp just because of the number and the hair, and he talks about Jamal Charles a lot. I don't see that. The player that I see him most comp to for me and I will continue down this path for a good while until I'm proven wrong, is what LaShawn McCoy was coming out of Pittsburgh. I think he mm. is a very similar player to that. And that is a... That elusive left-right, you know... He's so smooth, like, with yeah. his runs, just like McCoy was. He, McCoy, he's like a cat. You know, he's just smooth in and out of breaks. And I think that Charles has... I mean, not Charles. Here I go. Uh, Ronald mm. Jones has the same, the same ability as that. Now... The one holdup that we have is we have to see if he can catch the ball. Um, I can't see how anybody can label him a poor receiver because he pretty much caught everything that was thrown to him. They just didn't involve the running back in the in the passing attack. T. Martin didn't do that, and he's never done that. T. Martin runs the offense for USC, and he's never involved running backs in the passing game. So you can't hold that against him that he didn't catch balls whenever they don't throw it to him. I mean, I was trying to preach this last year with Leonard Fournette. I thought that 
if you're a good athlete, you can catch a football. I've, we could all go outside and catch a football. It's not that difficult to do, and we're not that great of athletes. Uh, a high-level skilled player can catch a football that's thrown to them. Now they can't run complex routes, and that's where you get more into the David Johnsons, the world of Le'Veon Bells. But as far as just running swing routes and flare routes and you know, dumping it off, cuts, these guys absolutely. can catch the ball. Yeah, he right. can catch the ball. So uh, to me, that's why he is my clear-cut RB2 for rookies. And uh, I guess that means that I'll be getting him a lot considering in my draft, he went RB nine to me. So I was happy. Oh, about wow. that. Man, even, even I would love RB nine value. That's, that's right. crazy. Maybe, maybe this next player went above him, which I would consider a mistake. The Detroit Lions took carry on Johnson in round two. They also signed LeGarrette Blunt this off season. They've got their, uh, two backs that they've relied on the past couple of years back the Oritic again, that pass catching back one of the best in the league in that role. And Amir Abdullah, who's not one of the best in the league at anything really um, other than maybe disappointing. And uh, really I'm surprised Abdullah's still on this roster. Uh, it seems like one of these guys has to go. I think both Blunt and Riddick have a pretty clearly defined role uh, obviously, carry on Johnson is not going anywhere. So, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I can't believe uh, Amir is still on this team right now. But uh, how do you see how do you see Johnson playing on this roster in 2018? Because uh, I compared him a little bit to one of your favorite guys, Joe Mixon. Because this time last year, not necessarily as as a style of player, but this time last year, I thought about Mixon in his situation with Cincinnati, and I thought he's not as good as Geo as a pass catcher. He's not as good, at least I don't think he is, as Jeremy Hill in that short yarded situation. So where are his snaps coming from? Uh, but uh, between the twenties on first and second down, ideally, but that didn't always happen. And it's kind of the same thing with carry on Johnson. He's, he's not, um, he's not going to steal goal line carries from blunt. I don't think he's certainly not stealing catches from Riddick. Is this going to be kind of a Nick Chubb situation? Like you mentioned earlier. Well, that's, that's a good point. And, and let me bring you back on, on the mix in front and just use that as a, an example with carry on Johnson. So, I think you are right. I think that LeGarrette Blunt currently is probably a better goal line option. I think that Theo Riddick is a better receiving option than carry on. I do like carry on a lot though. I think he runs very hard, uh, but I'll say this, and it's the same thing with Joe Mixon. So hand in hand, Joe Mixon may not be the goal line back that we thought Jeremy Hill was or the receiving back that Gio Bernard is, but what he is capable of doing is keeping the defense honest where Theo Riddick cannot keep the the defense honest. If he's in the game, they know that it's more than likely going to be a pass. And if LeGarrette Blunt's in the game, more than likely it's going to be a run. They're not going to use those people in any other skill set but that. Where someone like Kerryon Johnson or someone like Joe Mixon can be on the field and you can use them in different spots and you can keep the defense honest by them thinking that, hey, you know what, I, I don't really know what this is going to be. It could be a run, it could be a screen, it could be him shifting out to a, a, a slot role where he runs a route, and that puts the defense in, in a bind. And so... Uh, I do think that Carrion has plenty of talent to to take over the lead role in this backfield. The only thing with him is, you know, he runs so hard. And and to me, when I first watched him play, I thought, man, this guy's 228 pounds, but he's 213. Uh, he runs upright and he gets hit hard a lot because of that. And I don't know how his body's going to hold up at 213. So 
Yeah, he I, looks. He looks I, like I, I like him. Watch me. Yeah, I, I love the guy. I mean, just as far as a NFL player, get away from fancy. If if I was a Detroit Lion fan, I'd be happy that he's on my team because the guy plays hard. You mentioned how it's always a tell if Reddick's in the game or whoever. That's why Eric Ebron's not a lion anymore because he can't block a lick, and when he's in there, they're not going to run the ball. Do you like Royce Freeman or Carryon Johnson better? Carryon by a little bit. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think Carryon's going to be above him for now. So situation doesn't win out over talent there. Well, you know the the problem with Detroit is that Jim Bob Cooter's still the offensive coordinator, which is boggles my mind that Matt Patricia would come in and not bring someone like Chad O'Shea from New England with him and he and he retains a offensive play caller that the last four years has ranked 32 30 I think 32 and 28 in rushing I mean they're terrible they, they can never run the ball so yeah the situation to me is not great uh, I just think that maybe he can do a little bit more and I do have the comes with Freeman usage and the 17 tape be the tape I think Cooter Stafford's guy it has to be. They have to be best yeah. buds at this point for him to continue to be there. But couldn't they not run the ball because they had Amir Abdullah and, and Theo Riddick as their chicken and the egg kind of yeah. thing? I mean, I think we, we all have to assume their uh, both volume and production on the ground is going to be much better this year. Uh, carry on kind of reminds me of Latavius Murray. You mentioned the upright running style. Do you see any of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit smaller than him. Yeah. He, yeah, that's true. What he reminds me of is what the size of Latavius should be. Like in my mind, that's how big he is. But he, when I when I go watch him, you know, on the sidelines or next to someone, he's just not that big. Yeah, but he feels that big. All right, last team we want to talk about today, who drafted a uh, a prime running back here, drafted one much earlier than than many thought they might. Seattle. Use their first-round pick. They did trade down, but use that first-round pick on Rashad Penny. Uh, they have Chris Carson. They have C.J. Procise. Uh, some some disappointments there, either through injury or production or maybe lack thereof. Rashad Penny looks like he's just going to come in and and carry the load from day one. I'm not sure. I don't know. Should we care about any of these other backs on the roster? Uh, I don't think so. If there's going to be someone that is productive, it's going to be Penny. You can't invest in, on a on a team that had multiple needs uh, with the first round pick, and I don't even think they had a second and, and draft a running back and not give him the ball uh, a lot. And he's capable of having the ball a lot. He's he, he's another player that kind of like Geis, where maybe even a little bit more so because he's better in the receiving game than Geis is, where he's really good at everything, but I don't see anything elite. He's just a really good player at a lot of different. Uh, traits you know the one issue that i have with seattle is uh, i'm a big fan of looking at offices of coordinators and they hired brian schottenheimer and this is his 10th season in the league and you know the previous nine he's had one team that was a top 10 and point scored and none that were in top 10 in yards gained in nine seasons of coaching football so how he gets a job i guess it's because of his last name uh it still boggles my mind and that is a serious holdup for me on overall overall value of of Penny right now is just because of shot and armor. I, I will say I can't quite quit CJ Procise though, especially as a receiver. I don't trust him to stay healthy at all, but I like his game. Well, were you on Kristen Michael? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was a little before my time though. I will say that okay. was my first year as a dynasty. I remember my first rookie draft was a Kristen Michael rookie year. Well, the one thing that there's 
two main factors that had me a little concerned with Penny. Uh, first is competition, and and I didn't know uh, along with that how fast he was because you never know how fast Mountain West guys really are. And I think that was answered emphatically when he ran a four four six that he is plenty fast. I never saw him get caught on film. I just didn't know how fast everybody else was. Mm-hmm. And the second one is uh, a glaring weakness that he has, but a glaring weakness that a lot of running backs have. And I think we're getting to the point where if coaches were honest, they would just tell you that they just don't care anymore. And that's pass blocking. I think they care a lot less about pass blocking than before, just because they can use someone like him as a matchup problem. So that he doesn't need to block. He can just run a simple flare route and he can keep a linebacker honest. A linebacker is not going to blitz if he's on his side because I think I run a flare route and he's a plenty good receiver just to absolutely destroy defense. If they're not going to be honest, they blitz Wilson Wilson flares it out. It's a 12 yard game. So uh, it's funny because I mentioned, I talked to Jalen Samuels today for like 15 minutes and he flat out said, he's like, I've never really pass protected in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, if we're going to run a pass route, I'm going out. Yep. I'd agree. If you're good enough to be on the field when they're going to pass, you're going to be good enough to go run a route. 100% on board with that. Adam, let's let's kind of wrap up here today with your rankings. You've mentioned, of course, Saquon Barkley is your RB1 in this class. Ronald Jones is your RB2. Take it from there and, and just uh, throw out your current rookie rankings for Dynasty. Oh, current rookie. Let me just start. I, I told you the top five. So it was David Johnson, Todd Gurley. I'm sorry, uh, uh, rookies. Oh, rookies. So rookies, yeah. it's going to be – um, Saquon Barkley, Ronald Jones, uh, Barkley's in his own tier. Don't get carried away with what I said about him being a runner better than Barkley. Um, but tier two would be Jones and, and Michelle. And then after that, it's going to be guys, Penny and, uh, probably Chubb and some sort of tier there. And then after that, we're going to go down to, uh, carry on and Freeman. Um, and then a, a big gap, unless I miss someone that I just off the top of my head, a big gap to, um, to anybody else that was drafted. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Yeah, the the next guys would probably, based on what I've seen in rookie drafts, would be uh, Balage and Hines, guys like that. So yeah, certainly certainly a gap there. Uh, one more thing I did want to ask you about: there were three teams that I was surprised they didn't use an NFL draft pick on uh, the running back position. So just want to get your quick take on these three teams and their, their current backfield situation, Buffalo bills, obviously kind of a rebuilding situation yet. They have a couple of the oldest running backs in the league. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, who's, who's always great. And, and then they bring in Chris Ivory as well. Yeah. I think this is going to be the common theme, at least on two of these one that we talk about is that you don't, really develop a running back. So uh, they, if they feel McCoy is still capable of playing and he's on a pretty hefty contract, so they're probably one of the reasons why they didn't cut him, then they're going to ride McCoy. He still has enough in him to to be good. Uh, maybe not great like he used to be, but yeah, he, he's serviceable. And I'm sure they'll probably wind up getting someone else besides just Chris Ivory. I would expect them to, to roll something else out on free agency or whatever might come about. Yeah, I think that's why. They just... A, they had other needs, um, and B, they, they just don't want to develop a running back. I, I always think the last piece in the real world, if I'm deve- if I'm rebuilding a team, the last piece I add is a running back. And they have McCoy, mm-hmm. so as they rebuild, you know, maybe that's next year's project or the year after. Yeah, especially with if you're going to start Josh Allen, uh, I guess at some point, or McCarron, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to need a, a back next to him that knows the offense that would help. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, they have a large group of running backs, but 
Um, none of those guys have had sustained success. We saw a nice year from Alex Collins last year. Matt still likes Kenneth Dixon for some reason. Buck Allen, <laughs> Buck Allen had some had some success a little bit off and on, especially as a, as a PPR back. Uh, what do you think about the Ravens? I think they're probably too busy drafting all the tight ends to yeah. worry about running back. No, I, I think Alex Collins is a pretty good player. I think he's capable of of leading the, the backfield and doing a pretty good job. Um, like I said, it's kind of the same situation. They had plenty of other needs that they needed to fill, and running back is not going to be high on that. Uh, I don't know what a running back would do for this offense anyways. So, yeah. Can Can you just end the dream for Matt when it comes to Dixon? <laughs> I'm so uh, hanging on. You know, it, he just killed himself last year. And how can you have any oh, faith exactly. in him? You know, it's, he had a, a great opportunity and ruined it. So, you know, if you're if you're that dumb to make that mistake, then I don't know how they can really uh, trust you. And I thought that Collins played well enough to deserve at least the first real crack of this job coming in this season. So, no, oh, for sure. Uh, if you want to throw the last pick out on Dixon, Dixon that's fine. Yeah, I'm trading like my late third rounders for him in Dynasty sure. right now. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Last one, Adam, and we'll let you get out of here. Oakland Raiders, we've seen lots of changes with this team this year, obviously, and that starts at the top with their new head coach. Uh, they've got Marshawn Lynch back. They've got their two, uh, maybe I shouldn't say young, young-ish guys back, Washington, Richard. Uh, and then they bring in Doug Martin, another veteran. Um I don't, I don't know what to do with, with these guys. Who's going to win that job? Well, it's probably Marshawn with a little bit of Doug Martin. Uh, I thought those two kids had opportunity last year to really show something, and, and they never did. They did the year before. You know, They both were high yards per carry guys, but they never really showed much that would give you a thought that they could take over the backfield, and I don't think that John Gruden thinks so either. So he's going to go out and draft from Madden 2004 and take – Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin and see what happens. Uh, I think that he just sees those as a stopgap and then he can see what he wants to do after the season. All right. Great stuff as usual. Hey, Adam. one more thing, Ryan. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot to mention this. So during the running backs, we talked about how high I was on Ronald Jones, just yeah. for anybody that wants to join in my party of being uh, fully on board with the Kool-Aid. Ronald Jones is currently, and I would, say this to anybody in my league that that wants to play is ronald jones is my rb13 overall right now so wow that's how high i am okay is he i'm gonna throw some names at you yep and tell me jones or other dude Devonte freeman uh jones slightly melvin gordon right above him jones is above gordon right above him uh melvin gordon's my 14th and Devonte freeman's my rb15 mckinnon uh above him yeah for sure uh, McCaffrey, uh, below him. Okay, so I'm getting McCaffrey's my RB ten. I know you love a Jai, but he's not in that com- quite. That no, com- he's not in that conversation. That's more of a of love interest that I'll keep down in the twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, though, I I don't really have a problem with with that ranking uh, because if if you look at our ADP, Darius Geis is currently the rookie RB two in our startup ADP. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's well below Barkley. Uh, his ADP is 33, so around uh, around that uh, late third round range, and then behind him, Penny, Chubb, Michelle, uh, and Jones. But basically, if, if these guys are all kind of interchangeable, depending on your evaluation or, or your ranking. If you tell me your RB two is uh, in that 
RB 12, 13, 14 range. I don't have a problem with that. Geis is Geis is um, RB 14 overall at that spot. So if you want to take Geis out and put Jones in, I don't, I don't think that's too far fetched. Good. I mean, clearly you love the player. I do. But I love his situation. I mean, I think it's phenomenal. I do. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I, I think you you might have changed my mind. I, I at least <laughs> I at least need to go watch some more. Now, if I could just change your mind on Mixon, we'll be going somewhere. No, no, I'm I'm with okay. you on Mixon. No, nope. right, good. Now, Jai, I'm we're out. It's over on that. <laughs> uh, How high do you Mixon? I think he's reasonable. I, I think I, I'm I'm RB eleven with him, but with okay. a lot more upside than that. Agreed. Now they actually have an offensive line. Absolutely. Adam, great stuff as usual. Thanks for uh, joining us again. We'll have to get get you back on this summer, and, and we'll run through every backfield in the league once once preseason football gets here. Uh, but tell all our listeners where they can find your work. You can find me on RB Scout on uh, actually the RB Scout on Twitter. Uh, should be kicking back up here now that I've been on this podcast and I got the itch back. I I, I tend to take a pretty good break after the football season just because well we go pretty hard so. You watch enough film, you kind of get sick of football for a while. But I think we're getting back into the the urge to do this. And then uh, one thing that I would say is, you know, the podcast is coming back on the RB Scout podcast and something that we do, the, you know, 10 to 15 minute podcast is kind of the way I like to do it. But I feel bad if I didn't mention this to the people in our league that are going to do it with me. Uh, I'm going to start a new podcast and it's something that I've been wanting to do. And it's a podcast that, hey, sometimes it's going to be about football and sometimes it's going to be about something else. And if that means that two people listen, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to get my buddies together and we're going to talk shop. Think of more like a, a Joe Rogan, I guess, type podcast, maybe a little bit more PG than that. Um, but yeah, we're just going to talk about random stuff and some of it will be football and some of it will not be football. That sounds a little uh, bull Russian, which uh, I definitely <laughs> am on board with. So I, I look forward to checking that one out when, when it gets started. Uh, Make sure you tag me in those and I'll retweet them for everybody. Yeah. Hey, we're going to need you on the podcast. But <laughs> well, that too. I'll gladly join you too. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again, Adam, for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>